Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we unpack the big political stories of the week. My name is Mike Siluma. Leading our top stories this week, we will be looking at the public sector wage talks where the government is negotiating with public sector unions. And we will ask the question, did the government blink first? And what are the implications of that development? We will also be looking at the goings-on in the ANC, the showdown between the so-called CR faction and the RTE faction. And more particularly, what has been going on with the Secretary General of the ANC. And, and then lastly, we will be taking a turn at the State Capture Commission, as usual, uh, to see what has been happening in this week, the kind of themes that uh, Judge Raymond Zondo uh, has been pursuing. This icon is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a arms, Can you please come in? Now, I'd like to welcome our guest for this week, uh, William Gumede, who's the Associate Professor in the School of Governance at Vets University, uh, as well as uh, Sbongagwonke Shoba, who's the Sunday Times Politics Editor. Later, we'll be joined by Mawanda Mashabalala, uh, who is a, the Sunday Times uh, Politics Reporter, uh, watching the Zondo Commission for us. Let me start with you, uh, William. These negotiations, why should we? Why should they matter to us as ordinary South Africans? No, no, no. Absolutely, it matters um, to us because what's happening is we've got a public service, really, that if we compare it um, to our emerging market peers, um, who gets, um, you know, per individual, uh, per employee, gets, you know, much, much higher than our emerging market peers, but that delivers actually. Far, far less. Um, so, so you know, from that point of view, we have to do that. And, and if you look at um, just the cost of public service um, wages compared in a broader budget, um, you know, it's one of um, the very high ticket items. Um, so, if you want to reduce um, our, our debt, if you want to bring you, you know our fine public finance into order, um, we really have to um, start with the public sector. And, and bring the cost down in the public sector, uh, particularly because we've got a uh, say public sector that doesn't deliver value for money, um, but um, we're spending much more than our emerging market peers uh, per individual employee. Mm. How 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 do do we do we gauge uh, the the value of 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 a of of the public service? You know, if you're saying are we getting value for money or are we not? How 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 do we gauge that? Is 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 it is it in terms of what each each public servant does, or is it, is it by another measure? You know, we engage this, but you, you know, uh, simply uh, what a public service does. I mean, if you just look at from from service delivery, whether it's local government level or uh, as a, a national level. Uh, let's just say uh, a department home affairs. Um, you know, if we're going to take um, the turnaround time for uh, an identity document or a passport, um, you, you know, if it's a couple of uh, weeks, and then our competitive, you know, emerging market peers is exactly is the same day. Uh, or you can do it online. You don't have to go um, in, you know, into the whole, into the equivalent of home affairs. I mean, that's really the most simplistic. Um, it, you know, the service delivery that we don't get, um, you, you know, failing 
um, where it's failing police, um, a critical health system, um, education system collapse. You know, that is what I mean by value for money. If we compare what we're paying people and the number of public servants, you know, to our other competitors, whether it is developing countries or whether it's industrial countries, I mean, we really low down at the bottom rung. But 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 also I've 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 heard uh, a, a a some 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 people saying that uh, you know raising the issue of whether the problem is the, the the size of the wage bill relative to the fiscus you know to the national budget or whether it is about simply a a non-performing civil service and that actually in some areas we probably need to be more nuanced that we may need more people in the civil service than you know than we have currently you know is is the merit to that to that point of view absolutely i mean it's actually you know both are actually problems uh, <laughs> it's not a one or the other uh, unfortunately i mean you know they're part of public service so what we've got in a public service if you if we have one has to analyze this um, it lacks technical skills you know engineers um, and so on it lacks um, competent managers so um, um, and then there's critical um, parts of uh, the health service, for example, uh, so say civil engineers, uh, which is crucial um, to a public service uh, in terms of delivery. Um, we don't have enough. Um, so, you, you know, there we really have to uh, beef up. Um, but then also the other parts, uh, you know, is the oversupply really of administrative type of people in a public service. And those administrative type of people are not delivering, are not effective if you compare them um, to the equivalents, for example, in the private sector, if you take an admin job in a public sector, you take an admin job in the private sector and you compare in terms of performance, competency, um, and so on. Okay. Yes, uh, uh, the, the, you know, obviously we've, we have got a context here where the, the, the politics, you know, particularly the, the, the alliance, you know, the ANC alliance politics do play a role in terms of the government's posture. Uh, how, how much influence does politics have on, on these negotiations, would you say? Yeah, but Mike, uh, uh, politics play a major role um, in, in in these negotiations, um, especially in an election year, um, because the, the the outcome of of these con- these negotiations have have serious consequences for the specifically for the governing party um, in twofold. But Mike, um, <clears throat> if 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 the, the the threat by the unions um, becomes reality. Of a, of a mother of all strikes and and they, they disrupt services and it, in an election year it will have serious consequences for the ANC um, uh, when it comes to them campaigning for the for the elections and they would ask questions by by voters that you want us to vote for you but I can't go to the clinic uh, or I can't receive particular services because you have messed up. Uh, and secondly, it, it, it has serious consequences for the ANC's uh, election machinery. Um, we know the role that is being played by the by the COSATU alliance partner of the ANC, and especially the, the affiliated unions. The role that they play in um, not only funding the election campaign but also <clears throat> providing the full soldiers who who, who walk door to door uh, begging people to vote for the ANC and the ANC has to keep that constituency happy and 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 that's why even though um, the, the finances wouldn't allow uh, there'll be a strong push within the ANC for 
for for for for the government to actually uh, go back to the to the to the to the table and, and negotiate and come up with some kind of an offer in order to please that constituency because it's a crucial constituency. We know the role that teachers play in communities. In some communities, they are they are leaders of communities, and those are the people that they relies on when it comes to 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 election time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Professor Kumete, the the, the balancing. Smongagonga uh, seems to be saying that there needs to be a balance of the politics and the finances. Is that is is that ever going to be possible, or are we going to end up with government eventually blinking first and giving Labour what Labour wants, largely? Um, yeah, you know, leadership really is, and especially leadership in the public sector, um, is a balancing act. Um, but it's also you you know you decisive leadership. Now, unfortunately, yeah. Um, the government blinks first, and because the government blinks first, it really sets the precedent for other reforms. I mean, there's some really other difficult reforms um, ahead um, that the government will need courage. Now, this is, you know, a loose, uh, almost the first, you know, first of the really difficult fights. Um, the government is backing down, compromising. Um, you know, my worry really is the authority of the government now to go ahead with other kinds of reforms. Um, you know, would it be able to to restructure the state of enterprises, for example. I mean, is it going to blink? Um, again, um, I think, you know, the other groups uh, where government needs to do the reform, I think they may just feel bolstered. They may just feel, look, you know, they can actually stare government down on important economic reforms. Mm. And, 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 and if, if we look into, into the near future, you know, um, the, 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 the part of the of the pressure on the fiscus, you know, has been that they, they've got to bring the, the, the public sector wage bill under control. Um, if they fail, if government broadly fails in these negotiations, say they end up with 2% or whatever other percentage they, they, they're coming with, what, what, what would you say are the likely implications for, 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 for the fiscus and for the country? You know, I think, in term, you know, failure, yeah, then government will have to look at something else. Um, where else can they cut? Um, um, you, you know, so most probably the most important place, even above uh, perhaps the public sector wage involved, is to get efficiency in the public sector. I mean, the leakage um, in the public sector um, from uh, a budget point of view, we're talking here about at least a third, um, I would say to about 45% of money just gone. And, and, and this is very conservative um, figure. So, you know, to, to, to tighten that, um, uh, so you, really that with um, the deal with that. So government will gonna have to be, if you compromise here on a wage bill now, it will really have to be very, very tight and closing down um, leakages. When I say leakages, it means in terms of, you know, inefficiencies, waste, um, corruption. I mean, we've already seen um, early, it was a couple of weeks ago, the Auditor General came out with a preliminary report and talks about, um, what's this? Um, 60 to 80 um, billion rand in irregular expenditure in state-owned companies. Um, that's leakage. Um, we, when we look at a tender system, a procurement, government procurement system, talking here about between 400 and 500, 600 billion a, a year budget, um, according to um, those on the inside um, who say, you know, of their money, um, we can say at least um, a close to a half and money's gone. Um, so without any uh, value for money is just leak, irregular expenditure, corruption, waste, mismanagement, um, wrongly allocated 
um, and so on. So really that most probably for me would have been if I was in a Saramaposa position and one has to reform um, the public service is to start to see how you could tighten um, the leakage in the system and make over time um, um, reduce, gradually reduce um, um, the public service wage bill if you, you know, um, if one has to do balance of politics. You, you don't look like a, a betting man, but if you were a betting man, <laughs> would, would you put your money on, 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 on all of that happening? Um, no, it's not going to happen because, you know, the politics office, unfortunately, looms large ahead of us. I mean, yes, a local government election is coming. The government needs a public sector um, um, unions. Um, the Congress of South African Trade Unions now uh, is essentially a public sector union. I mean, it's extraordinary. Um, for all of the long years of black trade unionism and even white trade unionism in South Africa the last hundred years, um, the majority of the trade union groupings were always in the sort of industrial, um, in the manufacturing sector. Uh, the last couple of years, um, it's been a public, public sector. So Kusatu is now a public sector union. Um, they need Kusatu from, um, um, where it is uh, campaigning, uh, the, the kind of money. Um, uh, and so on. So there's going to be uh, a deal ahead of the election. So that I, I almost, you know, even at the beginning thought it's just uh, a wage free um, um, reform proposal. It's not going to carry master and it's going to be a compromise um, to balance the square of politics, especially at the ANC. Um, the second thing is also the big battle now between uh, Ramaphosa, he, his faction of, let's call them centrists, and the Ace Mahasula groups sort of more left populist. Um, that is also a factor. Um, you, you know, from the ANC point of view, most probably they will look at it and say, well, they can't battle two fronts. Um, uh, uh, let's uh, compromise on the one front. And unfortunately for society, compromising on, the, you know, on a public sector wage bill um, is not good for society because what it does is we're not increasing the efficiency of the, of the public sector. Um, and um, we, um, it's money essentially wasted. Mm, mm. As we welcome uh, on 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 onto the show, uh, uh, Mawande. Mawanda uh, Mashabalala, who normally watches the Zondo Commission for us. I, I would like us, before we get to him, uh, to look at the ANC's cash crunch. Yes, Mungagonke, it looks like things are not as, uh, in fact, things are quite bad uh, in terms of uh, the kitty at uh, Lutelli House. Yes, Brian Mike, as, as we've reported in the past uh, three weeks, um, uh, that Really, the NC is is really living from from hand to mouth, and um, it's, uh, it's it's a serious crisis that they find themselves in. And we know that they are even contemplating um, uh, retrenchments, uh, uh, retrenching fifty percent of the staff they do to the house. Uh, but by my uh, we, we're also working on follow ups to that story. But uh, just just to say that uh, it, it, it is a, a story that um, has um, a, a, a serious consequences for the ANC as a ruling party about his ability to operate um, Lutuli House, uh, given the the, the 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 shortage of funds that are flowing around and people are willing to 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 donate. We know the, what's behind that. Uh, partly, it's the is the Political Party Funding Act, which requires um, funders uh, to declare themselves and, and so, so the public can know who's funding who. So yeah, the room party is in a serious crisis. And we've got uh, another story on that uh, coming on, on Sunday. Mm, mm, mm. 
Uh, uh, Professor Kumede, I, I, I want to ask you, it, but does it not seem like we've, we, we, we're a bit schizophrenic in our relationship with uh, money in politics? Sometimes we're saying, no, 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 money has got too much influence on politics. But if the political parties like the ANC or any other do not have the money, uh, to run their, you know, to run their business, uh, you know, you know, with what, 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 what are we left with then? C- can we have politics without money? Um, you know, it's not the issue of politics without money. Is that you know the money that's available there is being mismanaged by the parties, by the ANC. Let's just be direct. Um, you know, it's the parties being mismanaging um, the economy. Um, I'm, I'm afraid to say it's also mismanaging the finances of the, the, the party itself. And that really is the problem. I mean, I think if you, again, uh, comparable, if you look at uh, party funding um, to comparable countries, developing countries, uh, emerging market peers, maybe it's a better, better comparison because they face sort of the same, same situation as us. Um, we, uh, South Africa is much more generous um, to, uh, to parties. Um, the issue, the challenge really here for political parties is to manage the money efficiently that they've got. And there has to, we must have transparency because we're a democracy. You know, some of our emerging market peers are not democracy. So, um, you know, they may not need transparency in the way we need transparency uh, because our constitution demands that we have transparency and party funding. Um, so we need to know in a democracy who funds who. Um, I mean, that is just the basics of uh, democracy, transparency, particularly in party funding. So I think, you know, the ANC, has not managed his party very well. I mean, in fact, I don't think the ANC has ever focused on, on managing a party. You know, a party is like an organization, like a business also. You have to manage it um, effectively. Um, you have to budget effectively. You're going to use your resources effectively. And you have to appoint people who run it who are effective. Um, you can't, I mean, so far, if you look at the party, I mean, just look at the structure of the, of, of the party, the amount of people that it employs. I mean, that is far beyond what a party should be employing. You know, it should be a much more meaner and leaner party uh, uh, to, to link it up with the, the resources that it gets. So the party has always been, they sort of done the sort of party reforms a long time ago to cut down the party um, into a much leaner structure. Because now, I mean, surplus, they've got too many staff. Um, working there, and the staff gets the same kind of money, um, salaries that people in the public service and equivalent of public service gets. Um, so, how are you going to, uh, you know, it's unsustainable. It's always going to be, was always going to be unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So, you're saying bad, uh, bad, bad management of the national economy and bad management of internal finances? Absolutely, that's, that's exactly. I mean, you've got me correct. I mean, it's just been bad management of the internal finances of the, uh, of the ANC. Um, and also for political parties, you know, the good days when they used to get these sort of generous donors, um, you know, did they save? Um, did they invest the money? You, you know, because when you run an organization, um, when you get the money coming in, um, some of the money has to be invested. Some of the money has to be parked somewhere else. Um, you know, you have to build a portfolio. Um, for this sort of lean times coming. Mm, mm. Okay, let, let's go to the to the last story. You know, uh, uh, Mawande, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, you've been watching, you know, as usual, uh, the goings on at the Zondo Commission. Um, what what were the issues being explored by the commission this week? Uh, thank you very much, Pramike, once again for for inviting me. Uh, the, the commission continues uh, really with a variety of issues. This week, uh, ESCOM, uh, um, uh, former CEO, uh, Machira Koko, was back in the stand. 
uh, this time around dealing about the issues of Glenco, the controversial issue that involves uh, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa. Remember that the story is that uh, at the time, in 2015, where there was a fallout between Glenco and uh, coal suppliers to ESCOM, and then there's a whole narrative uh, by Machira Koko and Brian Mundife that Glenco at the time wanted to hustle ESCOM uh, hiding behind the political cover that was uh, given to them by their then uh, shareholder, which is now the current president of the country, Cyril Ramaphosa. So Machira Koko was dealing with those issues yesterday. He spent almost the whole day uh, leading his own evidence. Uh, it was a holiday really for the evidence leader yesterday as Machira Koko uh, decided to question himself and answer the same questions, of course, pushing a narrative that favors, uh, you know, what they have put forth uh, him and, and the prime minister on the basis that uh, there was nothing wrong with them pushing out Glenco, which wanted to cripple uh, ESCOM financially. And, 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 and that's how things happened. And also uh, there's the issues of state security agency continue. The former minister, uh, David Marshall was back in the stand this week again, and also some of the operatives who are testifying anonymously. They were back. They really uh, put uh, the minister, David Marshall, uh, at the center of many of the things uh, that went wrong uh, during uh, the Zumayas and, and that he, his loyalty to the then president, uh, former president Zuma, uh, was really unmatched and such that he would involve himself in operational matters. He would uh, handle sources and assets, he would sign off on operations, he would collect monies for sources and assets and all those kind of things. Of course, the minister denies all these things. He says it's rogue elements, uh, which is something he says it's normal within intelligence circles that are just out to get him. As far as he is concerned, they have not provided any proof to prove that what they're alleging about him is anything to go by. And he says if he was so loyal, to former President Zuma, then why was he removed just three months uh, to Nazarek, where President Zuma obviously had interest? So he, he says if he was so loyal to former President Zuma, he would have never been removed in September 2017, three months before Nazarek, where uh, former President Zuma had a, a huge interest in the outcome of the conference. Mm, mm. The, the, what, what, what is the, the, the timeline now of, 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 of the commission? Because it looks like some people, I know, I know we touched on this last, you know, the last time, you know, in, in the previous episode. But it, I mean, for example, someone like Mamatsela um, Koko, he's been, he's been to the commission how many times? About 10 times, if I'm not mistaken. How, how much time is left for the commission, you know, to finish its work? Well, according to the last statement by the chairperson, uh, the, 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 the coming week is supposed to be the last week, but uh, we, we can never really believe those things. This commission has been extended too many times. There's a high possibility that it could be extended uh, again, because, I mean, as I've said before, there's just a lot of uh, witnesses, as far as I'm concerned, who are critical and central. For instance, I was talking just now about intelligence-related issues. Uh, leave the politicians who are involved, such as former minister David Marshall, but the people who are involved in actual administration and operations, uh, such as former DG, uh, Sondo Kujo, former DG, uh, Arthur Fraser, former special head of uh, former head of special operations, to learn it from. Those people have never been given an opportunity, or they don't want to take the opportunity to testify. But I think it, it, it's really critical that such uh, people, at least one of them, come forth uh, to testify, so that we have a complete picture, really, of these things that were happening. To have 
operatives that were just on the ground were very far to the approval of these things. I don't think it really helps to complete the picture. The people that were signing off on this thing, the people who were presiding, who had the responsibility to account about the affairs of state security agency, I, I think it's very important that they, they listen to it, which is why I'm saying I really suspect that it might well be extended because next week is probably three or four witnesses that are going to testify, including the president of the country, Cyril Ramaphosa, whom I understand is probably coming on Thursday and Friday to to be the last witness, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when you look at the, the what, what has come before the commission so far, would 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 you what, what would you say? I, I know that. Uh, the, the the president, when he first appeared in, in one of his appearances, he said that the ANC is the number one accused. What, what, what would, would you say the ANC have, has been negatively affected by the revelations at the commission or, or maybe not? Of course it is, Barak, uh, um, because what, what we have seen is, is how uh, uh, ANC leaders and ANC people were just abusing uh, their positions uh, in, in, in instances where they were enriching themselves, enriching their friends. Um, maybe the only person to come out of this is that the ANC leaders who are willing to come out and, 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 and tell their side of the story. But even with those leaders, their president, for example, their question is, what did you do? Um, did you just sit there and, and watch this thing happen? You must tell us um, what exactly did you do to stop them? Um, if, if there was nothing he could do, why didn't he distance himself? Why didn't he resign? Um, those are the questions that we need to ask to 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 get answers um, from from people like the president. Um, yeah, the NC will not come out uh, smelling roses out of this process. It's its reputation is badly damaged, and um, and um, the only good thing, as I just said, is that people are saying, "Let's go there. Let's tell the world what happened." And then maybe we can come up with the way of, of fixing it. But I, I don't see a way of of of, of the ANC um, 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 renewal or renewing itself or cleaning up itself. Uh, because, Pramak, it's not just uh, the good versus the bad in the ANC, as we have seen, um, is that in both uh, factions and both groupings, in all groupings, in fact, there are those um, rotten apples that will keep the system rotten. And um, uh, so with the elections coming, with the, with the general elections coming in 2023, 20, 20, 20, um, I, I, I don't know, Bramai, uh, 2024, I mean, I, I don't know um, how the ANC will redeem itself. We'll, we'll see whether what happens when Zondo finishes with the report, what President Ramaphosa does with the report, and if anything happens, if there's any consequences, um, I think that's the only way that the ANC can redeem itself. We know with this commission, with these commissions, uh, we get reports, um, someone sits on those reports, never made public, takes years. Um, we, we've seen that happen before. And 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 now we have to see how, how President Ramaphosa will approach it. Um, was it just a show? What did he just um, agree to go there just so that he can uh, try to clean up his own email as the PR stand. Um, we will have to see when the report comes out if there will actually be action that will be taken against anyone who's mentioned in that report. 
Okay. Uh, Professor Kometa, the last word, the very last word goes to you very briefly. The, the, so how do we judge the commission? Do, do we judge it by the, the revelations that are happening, uh, some of which are interesting, some of which are shocking, or do we judge it by how many people eventually get sent to jail? You know, I think we, was, we will judge it by how many people would go to jail. I mean, if you just look at sort of the public mood and uh, ordinary people, when you speak to them, and people will say, well, yeah, we hear this, um, but will anyone be prosecuted? Will anyone go to jail? Because so far, no one is going to jail. So I think that really is going to um, the challenge um, for the commission. Okay. Uh, folks, that's all we have time for for this week on the Sunday, Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, uh, William Gumeja, who's Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Vets University, Mawanda Mashabalala, who's the Sunday Times Political Journalist, as well as Usbonga uh, Gwankeshoba, who's the Sunday Times Politics Editor. And by the way, you can catch our podcast on iono.fm, on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to obtain your podcasts. Until next time, stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma, signing off. Mm-hmm.